From the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, here's what's new today. It can be hard for an artist to decide how political they want to be and how political they don't want to be, but I kind of made the determination the other day that my life is political. Um, it's my husband's job is political. It's kind of who we are, and life's a little too short to for me to not speak up for the things that you believe in, and printmaking is a huge part of that, especially when I look at all of the printmakers who influenced me. I'm Scott Yates, photographer and multimedia journalist with the Rockford Register Star. This show is where we meet the artist who makes our community a more beautiful place. This week, we're getting to know Rockford printmaker Sarah Reed McNamara. Sarah operates SRM Prints and recently established a collective makerspace called GEM, Gather, Engage, Make, located on State Street in downtown. She makes scarves, tea towels, table runners, block prints, and more, all with bold colors and tessellating designs. Sarah moved to Rockford at age 17, and her early favorite memories here were with her dad checking out the CDs, show posters, and books at Media Play, the former entertainment shop on the east side. She went on to earn an art history degree from Rockford University, There, she studied and drew inspiration from the Mexican artists from the early to mid-1900s who formed the collective called Taller de Grafica Popular. The diverse collection of men and women produced work to advance revolutionary and progressive causes, which influence Sarah's work today. For the next year, Sarah will be Rockford Art Museum's Artist-in-Residence, where she will host printmaking workshops for young students. Sarah is a mother of two small children, and she happens to be married to one of Rockford's most well-known figures, Mayor Tom McNamara. Sarah visited the Register Star newsroom last week for this podcast, so let's drop in on our conversation now. I I hear you moved to Rockford when you were 17. Yes. Um, I moved here in the middle of high school. My dad lived in Rockford for a long time and had his business here. And um, I grew up in a small town where I knew everyone, Um, but my mom and stepdad were relocating to Wisconsin, and I decided to move in with my dad in Rockford, and my stepsister and stepmom lived here. So it was a good move, probably one of the best moves I made in my life because it changed everything. You are certainly thriving these days, so ultimately I would uh, agree with that uh, assessment there. What was your first memory of being in Rockford? Um, to be honest, some of my first memories are of media play and buying music. Um, every We used to visit my dad on weekends here, and every weekend one of our first stops would be media play, and he would let us pick out any CDs we wanted, which was pretty great to us because, I mean, that was the day of, like, the explicit lyric parental advisory, and he just didn't care. He'd be like, just get it. So that that's what we loved, and I loved that Rockford had so much to do coming from a small town. That's really cool. Now, um, part of the joys of me hosting this show is that I, as a newcomer to Rockford, get to learn all sorts of uh, uh, cool stories uh, about the history of Rockford as well. You mentioned media play. Yeah. Are folks going to know what that um, is? I think most people that grew up here will. It was um, on the east side, kind of where 
office, it's either Office Max or Depot is now, and where like Babies R Us was that strip mall. So it was just a huge music store. They had like all the CDs you could want, and there were smaller music shops in town then, but I didn't know about them because I didn't grow up here. So we always went there, and they had tons of CDs, show posters. Then eventually they had books and stuff too, so it was kind of like my favorite place. Right on. Have you always been, has, uh, uh, so you've been here since slightly before age 17? Yeah, my dad lived here since I was in fourth grade, so we were coming up to Rockford every other weekend for a long time. Okay, so you've always been a media consumer yeah. in that sense, <laughs> music, posters, oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. Music's like my first memories are all my parents' albums from like 60s and 70s and stuff. So that translated into your adult life. You are now a very prolific print printmaker yeah. in town. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit okay. here. You <laughs> you are the brain trust and the creative eye behind Sarah Reed uh, S R M Prints. Yes. There. Tell us what that is a little bit. Um. So it's funny. So S R M Prints. The name. I just kind of like winged it one day. Like I just. I, not very original, I guess. I just used my initials. You're saving your creativity yeah. <laughs> for your products. Saving there. it for my work. Um, well, I just, I had been printmaking a lot. I learned how to do it in college um, when I was studying for my art history degree at Rockford University. And I just decided to take the plunge and make social media pages for my artwork on Facebook and Instagram because I was starting to show more. And I just was like, what do I name myself? I was thinking too hard about it. And I'm like, SRM prints will work for now. And now I've just stuck with it because so many people know me by SRM prints. Right on. And your creative vibe, uh, so to speak, is uh, features designs uh, of tessellating shapes, those identical repeating shapes that nestle nicely into each other to form a pleasing pattern. That's mm -hmm. ubiquitous amongst your various products. Yeah. What is what is it about tessellations that uh, that um, really excites you? I think I just really love the unexpected shapes that sometimes come from geometric patterns. Sometimes I'll carve a print block that I'm going to use for a repeat pattern, and if it's geometric and has a lot of lines and different shapes in it, I'll print it and completely new shapes emerge in patterns that I wasn't even expecting. And I just kind of love like that you can plan it and have such technical skill with it, but there's still going to be something unexpected. And then you can use the patterns in so many different ways and shapes. Now, let's back up a little bit and describe exactly the uh, genre of printing that you do do. You mentioned okay. carving print blocks. Yeah. So describe the technique of your style of printmaking. So my printmaking, I do linoleum block prints and textile prints. So I use either linoleum blocks or kind of a rubber material that's in the same family. So what you do is you put your design. I draw directly onto my block. I rarely sketch ahead of time. And then you carve it with wood carving or linoleum carving tools that are very sharp. And then once you're done with the carving, you roll ink on it and then press it with paper or press it onto a textile. Everything I do is done by hand. I don't have a press. So I use barons, um, which are a printmaking material for like pushing the print down. And so that's pretty much my process from start to finish. And I can do two-inch prints or two-foot around prints. So Okay, so that's it can be tiny stamp size yeah. to large, uh, like half a coffee table size. Yes. And that's amazing. So you're, you're actually making a stamp, mm -hmm. essentially, uh, yep. carving onto lin linoleum, which is the same material that we uh, 
lined kitchen floors yeah. with. It's a uh, little different, but essentially the same. Okay. Now, that's the stamp itself. Mm-hmm. What kind of materials are you putting it onto? Um, I put, for my textiles, I like printing onto cotton or linen. And then my fine art prints, I use a whole range of papers from around the world. I'll use Japanese printmaking papers, paper from Nepal, French paper, um, papers that are made in the U.S. I kind of don't limit myself and try to, I just have a bunch of different papers that I'm always kind of using and experimenting with. Now, you don't try to limit yourself, but do you have a favorite combination of materials you like to work with? Yeah, I prefer thin papers. So I use Speedball Arts Inks. Um, I'm in their professional artist network, which is kind of cool. And so they're my favorite ink brand to use currently. Um, I also use a British ink. Um, it's called Cranfield Colors. So I use their metallic ink. So if anyone's ever seen any of my gold and silver prints, that's uh, British ink. And then the papers, I like the thin papers, like Japanese hand printing papers, because um, a lot of the woodblock carving artists over time in Japan used thin papers like that because they were doing it all by hand, just like I am. So the various products that you make include um, scarves, letterpress prints, hand-printed tea towels, block print table runners, pin backs. Yep. Did I... A whole range. Did I miss anything? No, what else are really. you... No, not really. It's textile. So table runners, tea towels. Sometimes I sew like my scrap fabrics that I've printed into zippered pouches. Um, sometimes I make quilts out of them just for my home and for my kids. Um then all my art prints. So, and letterpress printing is something I'm diving into with the assistance of a local letterpress company, a guy who's been doing it, Town Iden Letterpress. So he helps me out. He's been doing it for over 30, 30 or 40 years in town. Fantastic. Yeah. So you've had a creative uh, eye since you were a youngster, just uh, getting introduced to the city of Rockford. Um, how did you make the jump to consuming media uh, as a hobby yeah. to actually making it? Um, it actually happened kind of late. So I've always been creative in different ways, whether it came to like um, sewing and jewelry and a lot of folk folk art type things that I learned from my grandmothers. Um, but I was in college at Rockford University and I was studying my art history degree and I had to take an elective course and I chose printmaking because it, to me it sounded like the least scary of all the mediums. <laughs> and um, I mean, my first prints were kind of like terrible. That's how it goes. Um, but I just really loved the process. I love that it kind of took my mind off of everything else. And you can only think about printmaking when you're printmaking because it's so technical that you can't think about what you might be worried about or um, the state of the world or anything. It's just it's just printmaking. Um, so I just really loved it. I kept taking it. My professors allowed me a couple more credits um, for different um, coursework that I needed. And then when I when I was studying my art history degree, everyone that I studied were printmakers. I was especially drawn to female a female German printmaker called Katja Kolwitz, who is an activist. Um, and then all of the Mexican printmakers, a lot of women and men who were in a group in Mexico from like the 30s to the 70s. And so all of their work I was drawn to. And then it just print started to just be consume me and become a part of my life. Like I was studying printmakers. I was buying print work. I was making my own print work, trying to figure out how to further my own print work. So and now it's just I have print stuff everywhere.
in my house, in my studio, my family just accepts it. <laughs> That's great. And that is a perfect segue into my next question here. You uh, are tremendously busy in your personal and professional life. Um, how do you keep that work-life balance going uh, when every when the whole world is screaming at you? Um, how do you, uh, well, you mentioned it a little bit, printmaking is a venue that you can use to use as a release and as, a, yeah. and as, and as, a, as an escape to the uh, busy world mm-hmm. there. Um, what is it uh, when you get into the zone that is so captivating for you? Um, I think now, especially, I mean, thinking about our busy life, um, my husband has a job that's very demanding um, and takes a lot of odd hours. I have kids that are age two and three who are lovely little handfuls. Um, So I think for me, it was very important, just kind of who I've always been since I was little is having something for myself. So I never wanted to give it up. And I kind of took a challenge. Someone told me, they said, you know, after you have kids, it's going to be really hard to keep up with your artwork. You might have to take a break. And I almost took it as a personal challenge to I was like, I'm not giving it up. I'm not going to take a break. I'm to just prove going, them wrong. Yeah, to prove them wrong, to prove to myself that I could keep doing it. I thought once I'm home with my kids because I chose to stay home with them, I said this is the perfect opportunity for me to dedicate more time to the craft and work odd hours. I've never mind staying up late. It's a little harder now. So, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock, <laughs> I used to stay up till three or four carving, you know, and just get in the zone. So it's very rewarding to me in a lot of ways, but also now my kids are getting bigger and they're aware of it. And so they see it more and they know my work. My daughter spotted my own prints at a show and I was really excited because she said mommy's work. And so she knew she identified your style and knew uh, that it was yours and And, and pointed it out. Yeah. And it's been very important to my husband and I, especially that we if I'm going to work on my artwork, we, we call it work. We say mommy's going to work. So she understands that it is my work. It's not just, I'm not just doing it for, you know, I do it for fun, but it's also a job that I've created. Yeah. And I think that's a fantastic mental trick for any working artist who doesn't have the strictures of a punch in, punch out nine mm-hmm. to five job. Uh, for me, anyway, I, I would need to trick my brain into yeah. Uh, being on the clock, so to mm-hmm. speak. And I'm using air quotes for all you yeah. guys out there in Radioland. So speaking of work, September is going to be a very busy period for you. Uh, and in the upcoming months, uh, there are several things uh, that are on your public calendar, one of which is the Greenwich Village Art Fair yes. coming to town. You're participating in that. And you have also just recently announced that you are the uh, upcoming artist in residence at the Rockford Art Museum. Yes, that, those are very <laughs> exciting. Let's let's take that one by one here. Uh, what can we expect from you at the Greenwich Village Art Fair? Um, well, Greenwich Art Fair, I'm getting really excited for. It's a great fair. I've always loved attending, and I did the Emerging Artist booth there a long time ago, probably like five or six years ago. And then last year was the first time that I showed, and I just loved it. It was a great experience. So my booth, I'm. Getting really excited as I plan it. I have a lot of new prints that are going in, kind of working on new print blocks every week. And I have a full, kind of a full selection of textiles that I didn't have last year. Last year I had like probably 10 or 12 scarves, two table runners, and maybe 20 tea towels. And this year I'll probably have like 40 to 50 tea towels 
probably 30 table runners to choose from. So I am getting really excited about how I'm going to display them and how the booth is going to look. I kind of want it to just be like a printmaking explosion (laughs) to just be really excited when you're in my booth just to see all the patterns and just to see it all coming together. And with all those tessellations that you're famous for, uh, it's going to sound, it's going to look pretty trippy in there. Yeah. Uh, A printmaking explosion. (laughs) That's fantastic. And in other very exciting news, you'll, you will be the artist in residence at Rockford Art Museum starting in September. That's coming up next month there. Tell us what that's all about. Okay. So that's a year long residency. So I've been working with the museum for a long time, actually. I've been, I was an on and off volunteer um, probably since 2008 or 2009, just trying to fit in with certain things and see how it would how it would work with my life, what I liked about the museum. At one point in time, I thought about going into museum studies. Um, and then I started doing seasonal workshops and different programs with the museum. So I've always kind of taught off and on as one of their instructors. In the last year, the education um, coordinator and I have really worked to kind of amp up their printmaking program because printmaking is something a lot of kids or students will do in school but won't focus on intensively. So they may have a limited experience with it. And I find it's something most kids respond to because it's so hands-on and kids like to move. They like to, um, you know, have motion. They like to, they don't just always want to sit still. I know this, I'm thinking of my kids. So my kids love when I let them kind of practice printmaking because they get to use their ink rollers and everything. So we really boosted the printmaking program. And then um, I was asked to be artist in residence as they're creating a printmaking lab in the basement. So that's where I'll be based. So they have all these studios down there. And I'm going to be helping them set that up and get it situated Um, starting mid to late September. You can watch the Rockford Art Museum and my social media for the announcements. But Thursday nights is late night at the museum. So I'll be doing like an open studio session at the museum those nights so that I'll just be in there working. And if people want to come in and learn about printmaking, they can come and ask questions, get some assistance, get some help. Um, We'll have a small press in there eventually so people can learn how to hand print and print on the press. And then we have a lot of fun things we're going to keep planning. I have a full schedule of classes through December for children in all ages. And then my dream is to have a big print fair. So we're going to work on that in the springtime. So we'll have visiting printmakers from like regional printmakers and all of our local printmakers participating. You you spoke a little bit to your inspirations in your artwork, um, uh, going back to the folk artists of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um those folks um, really had a point of view and really yeah. had a message to get across in their art. Mm-hmm. As all art, uh, all good art does, in my experience, uh, it uh, had a message, and oftentimes it was speaking truth to power and giving voice to the voiceless. Yes, not unlike what I do uh, with community journalism here in mm-hmm. Rockford. Um, what kind of message do you want to be sending with your artwork? Yeah, well, lately I've been kind of going through, especially like the last week or two, um, thinking a lot about the work I'm putting out into the world and what I want it to look like, what I want it to say. And I've been feeling a little stronger with like kind of the social justice activism part of my message. And you'll definitely be seeing more of that from me as I kind of grow stronger with it and think about what I want to say. But Lately, I've just been into more, 
it can be hard for an artist to decide how political they want to be and how political they don't want to be. But I kind of made the determination the other day that my life is political. Um, it's my husband's job is political. It's kind of who we are. And life's a little too short to for me to not speak up for the things that you believe in. And printmaking is a huge part of that, especially when I look at all of the printmakers who influenced me in college and whose work I admire. And that's the Mexican printmakers of the it's called the Taller de Grafica Popular. And then Kata Kolwitz, who was a German expressionist printmaker. So they used their printmaking for a mass audience to, you know, speak up about social issues, to get the word out, to um, have things mass produced and handed out. And that's kind of what my interests are leaning towards now. Wonderful. Uh, using your powers for good and not for evil. Yes. <laughs> that is, that's wonderful. Um, uh, the, the big inspiration for this podcast is for me to highlight the uh, folks out in the world making Rockford a more beautiful place, using their powers for good and yeah. not for evil. Uh, so you're fitting right into that theme here today. Um, speaking of doing good in Rockford, where do you think the future of the art scene of Rockford is going? Um, I think it's only going to grow. I think we have so many amazing artists in Rockford right now um, who are just so passionate about what they're doing. And I think we have so many kind of collectives going on right now. And all the artists support each other and go to each other's shows um, and work together. So I think we're just going to keep collaborating and keep growing. Um, one of my personal favorites and one of my good friends is Jenny Matthews, um, who I know you've met. She's one of our first uh, guests here on the podcast. Yeah. Jenny Matthews, along with her cohort uh, over there at 317 Art Collective. Yeah, and I love having her right around the corner from my studio um, because if I'm feeling like I sometimes I'll have like these impulse ideas where I jump up or it's always when my house is like the most chaotic. My kids are crying and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm having an idea. Like I need this to happen. And I'll text Jenny or send her a message. I'm like, what do you think about this? We've got to do this. I just have to tell you right now. And every time it's let's do it. And that's what I think. That's where I think we're all going. It's let's do it and let's do it now. Indeed. That is uh uh, one of Jenny's strengths, yeah. she is very much an action-oriented person mm -hmm. and very uh, supportive of people's crazy ideas. Yeah. Uh, so that's wonderful to hear uh, a success story of collaboration here in Rockford. What do you think the cultural gatekeepers here in Rockford can do to facilitate more of that collaborative spirit amongst the artists huh. here? My big thing is offering venues to show at offering venues for artists to show at. And um, a big thing that my friend Kelly Stewart and I, she's my partner at my studio um, and my partner for Pop-Up Co-op Rockford, one of our big things is finding unique, interesting venues. They don't even have to be buildings that are fully operating right now to show at and then either having the space donated or rented to us very cheaply for the event. We have event insurance and all those things, but so that we can charge 20 to $50 per artist to show. A lot of the artists that are up and coming can't afford the big shows. They don't have a business that's, you know, rolling, continually bringing in earnings for their art, and we want everyone to have an opportunity to show. 
Thank you so much for all your time here today. Before I let you go, I want you to uh, bear with me one more minute here. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite things to do to end these shows is to scroll and troll my guests' <laughs> Instagram feeds for uh, uh, an exciting image that just demands its backstory be told here. So I've uh, looked at your Instagram. You have you can be found on Instagram at SRM. Prince, one word, lowercase letters. You have uh, a significant following there. I'm looking at the numbers here. Uh, I encourage folks to go check out your your feed. It's uh, uh, an explosion of printmaking, <laughs> indeed, yeah. as you alluded to earlier there. But I've scrolled down not too long ago to Tuesday, August 6, 2019, uh, to an image that is uh, uh, bathed in soft light it's a black and white photograph of a little girl standing on top of a workbench holding up a brayer which yeah. is uh, uh print making lingo for that ink roller uh to to apply the ink to the to the stamp uh yeah. item there um the caption says give them the tools to create and not the tools to destroy is anyone else so sad and heartbreaking uh, broken from the news Demand change, demand change, <laughs> demand change. Um, I've got a printout of the image here. Yeah. Describe to us what's going on in this image. Um, so in this image, well, you picked a real real good one <laughs> for me to explain. So that is my three-year-old daughter, um, Olympia. So oftentimes one or both of my kids will come to my studio with me. They get really excited. Um, if I say we're going to mommy's workshop, they they jump up and ask for their shoes because they're like, let's go. And they love it there. And so, you can find your shoes quickly enough yes, to get out the door. thankfully. <laughs> um, so she was just, it, this was just, this past week or two have just been really sad on the national news level um, for me for a lot of reasons about mass shootings, mass violence, things that are happening in our country. And I just think, like, it almost makes me sad that I wish all kids could have the tools to create and not want to destroy, that I wish our children could want to collaborate and make art together. I wish that we could teach all children to the joys of art. And I guess that's also a big part of my mission and my friends that I surround myself with. And I was just looking at my daughter. Oftentimes I have her stand up on the work desk to display my prints for me Um especially one series that I have that are all about positive, encouraging words. And she was just standing there holding the brayer. The other ones, she was like super excited holding them up. And that one that I snapped, she just looked so serious and soft. And I just think, I hope she always wants to create. I hope she wants to make beautiful things and doesn't want to destroy things. And I think, and that's a big part of my printmaking and the change I'm going through is I want my work to say something. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that story with us. If I'm not mistaken, that image, that likeness of a of a young figure, uh, young female figure holding up a, an instrument in power and defiance seems yeah. to be a, a reoccurring theme in, in your some of your prints there. Yes. Uh, it, did that uh, initial idea come from your daughter there? Um, some of it came from her, and some of it came from me, and some of it came from the women printmakers before. Um, I feel like in the last, in the recent years, it's become more common to see images of women printmaking, but it hasn't been very common 
in art history to see pictures of women making prints. Like there's always been women that were letterpress printmakers through the ages, but you never see pictures of them doing it. It's just pictures of men doing it. So in a way, it's important to me to kind of document that women are printmaking, that they're a huge force in the printmaking community worldwide. Um, and then a lot of it's just looking, my print girl series, I think is what you're talking about, is just looking at kind of like the joys and the mishaps that happen when you make art and you make prints. Um, thinking you might be making something super original, which that word always kind of gets me. And then it's like, you go on Instagram, and you're like, oh, shoot, five other people made something like this. And that's just part of it. And it's the pride, the mishaps and everything. But essentially being women printmakers is a big deal, I think. <laughs> well, my guest here on Meet the Artist is Sarah Reed McNamara, Rockford printmaker. Thank you so, so much for coming into the Register Star newspaper offices today. Thank you. This show is made possible through the journalism of the Rockford Register Star. This show's theme music today is called Cold Funk by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. For more from the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, go online at rrstar.com.